You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there, you're listening to episode 149 of the Blended Family Podcast. We're in November already. I can't believe it. The holidays are approaching and it's my favorite time of year, but also the time of year that gets a little bit stressful. We have a lot going on these next two months. I should have no problem staying on schedule for you with the podcast, but I will be taking off the two weeks around Christmas. I need that time to connect with my family and honestly get some much needed rest. I mentioned last week about the special priced bundles for coaching. Take advantage of that offer before the prices go up in January. I'll probably still offer bundled deals in the new year, but they won't be as cheap as they are now. Right now, it's a steal. You can get five sessions for only $50 each when you purchase in advance, and you won't find that price this low ever again. I have a giveaway today. I try to do those now on the first show of every month. As you may know, everyone on my list is automatically entered to win. And so if you're not already part of my list, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe to join. You'll get a quiz when you join, plus you'll be automatically entered in, and I send out only one newsletter a month. Today's winner will receive a really pretty wall art sticker that says, Every Family Has a Story, Welcome to Ours. And the winner of that is Kevin and Allison Stadnick. I'll be contacting you shortly so that I can get your gift out right away. Thank you for subscribing. And today, I have an interview for you with a guest I've had on the show previously, and that is Dr. Janelle. She joins me to talk about her own blended family and relationship, which just so happens to be with another woman. I love Janelle, and I think you will too. Enjoy. I'm here with Dr. Janelle, a name you should be familiar with by now. Not only has she been on the show before, but I have also been on hers, as well as we did a Facebook Live together, and she is an active member of our Facebook group. But in case you're new to my show, I'll tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Janelle is a PhD psychologist and relationship advisor, working with individuals and couples who want to improve communication, collaboration, and harmony in their relationships. Dr. Janelle focuses on non-traditional relationships and family structures. For example, female same-sex couples, divorced, remarrying couples, and blended families, helping to navigate the challenges in these complex dynamics by developing skills that lead to stronger partnerships, better parenting, and greater peace. Welcome to the show, Janelle. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me back on, Melissa. I always love our conversations. Me too. And so the last time you were here, we discussed relationship issues as that is your specialty. And we completely glossed over the fact that you were in a same-sex relationship, which was fine because that was irrelevant to the topic of the show. But I've been waiting to have you back so we could really get into your personal story. You do have a blended family and you are in a same-sex relationship, a marriage, actually. You just got married in May, so congratulations. And Thank you. And we have a lot to talk about. So let's start with your story. I guess give us a little background of you and your wife before you met, and then tell us how you met and how the relationship unfolded. 
Sure, absolutely. So um, in 2012, I was engaged to my high school sweetheart. He and I had been together for uh, like 10 and a half years. We got engaged that uh, December of 2011. Um, and uh, a mutual friend was um, getting married. And she's originally from Puerto Rico. She was getting married in Puerto Rico. There's like lots of really fun kind of wedding things around their their wedding day, you know, the typical shower. But we did a bachelorette weekend in Newport, Rhode Island. It was like, I think it was like 10 of us girls something like that. Um, and then we spent a week in Puerto Rico for the wedding. Um, and this is actually where I met Jess, my wife. Now, at the time when I met her, she was married to her husband and they had three young kids, twins that were about to turn one and a daughter that was about three and a half. Um, and we met, you know, as friends in this group um, and we just immediately like really hit it off. But just again, thought that everything was a friendship. We actually hung out the four of us with our exes and thought we were going to be great new couple friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just kind of really kept talking and connecting and got closer and closer again, thinking nothing of it until we sort of accidentally in a way found ourselves in love in a way that we had not planned on or expected. Um, and, you know, before anything ever sort of happened for her and I, I really had been feeling like my relationship was ending. Um, I felt like I'd outgrown it. We'd really gone in kind of different directions. I had a lot of um, sort of things I wanted to do or didn't want to do that didn't fit with him. One of them being that I did not want to have um, biological children. I really wanted to adopt and he was really big on having biological children and we just kind of didn't talk about it. It was sort of just left there. Um, But we were about less than I think we were less than a month from closing on our first home together when I ended up breaking off our engagement and telling him that I just couldn't really see us moving forward. And of course, you know, stopping the sale of the house, all of that. Um, and I eventually then also told him a couple of weeks later about Jess. Uh, but we actually um, lived together with her ex for about six months altogether in the house that she and him had built and were living together with the kids. That was fun. Um, and then in about October of 2012, Jess's parents parents were coming to visit for the first time and he had been, we transitioned. So he was actually sleeping in the guest room and that's where her parents would need to stay. So that was sort of the impetus for him to finally move out. Um, we lived there for a little while longer, ended up moving out and getting our own place and then eventually bought our own place where we are now. We've been here for about three years and, um, yeah, it was definitely a wild, unexpected ride. I consider myself a bonus parent and I have bonus kids as I've vocalized to those of you that follow any of my work as I don't have any biological children still. Um, we have one set of kids in our blended family. So we, in just the three kids that we have half the time, and now they have half the time as of a year ago before that, um, since 2012, they'd been primarily with us in our household. And, uh, it's been a lot of constant change for sure. It's a definite, um, you know, challenging dynamic as any blended family is. Yeah, well, I feel like any same-sex relationship is going to endure more challenges than a hetero relationship because of the interference from everyone else, whether that's family, friends, or even strangers. When you add a blended family dynamic to the mix, it just makes it all the more complicated. Tell us some of the challenges you experienced early on when you were starting out, including any fears you might have had or any pushback from relatives or friends. Yeah, so this is huge, and this was a big part, more so I would say for Jess, my wife, than for me. I came from a super liberal family. Um, It was sort of never an issue. I kind of, sexuality wasn't even a big deal growing up. I had tons of, you know, gay aunts and uncles that were my parents' friends. Um, So that really wasn't a concern. I think it was more surprising for most people in my life that I was ending my relationship with my ex because they thought we were like this perfect couple that were high school sweethearts and all of that. And we didn't argue, like we didn't have any outward 
of issues, but it was very kind of just fine. And I, it was almost sort of getting to the point of it being boring or stagnant. And that was kind of the issue for me. Um, but it was a very different story for Jess. And I, you know, tell this knowing that this is her story, not mine, but she's, you know, comfortable with me sharing this at this point. But, um, when she was about 19, she told her parents that she thought she was gay and they had a very, very negative reaction, um, and basically threatened to stop paying for college. And, um, it just wasn't talked about again as an option if she chose to be that way. Um, and that was sort of the end of that. She's actually from Michigan and moved away because she kind of was, you know, wanting to get away from that, but had been so sort of affected and traumatized in a way that she kind of tried to date women a little bit when she moved to Massachusetts, but ended up, um, having some new coworkers sort of put her on a dating site for heterosexual relationships and ended up, uh, the first date she went on ended up being her, her ex, her husband. So, um, and she never really said anything. And, you know, she, I think loved him in the same way that I loved my ex to a point where they were really great friends and there was certainly a lot of love there, but it was a very different kind of love. Um, but when we came to be, and granted we were complicated anyway, because of the fact, as I say, we both had that overlap, you know, we did know each other. It wasn't on purpose. There wasn't like, we didn't go looking for something, but we did end up starting our relationship before ending two previous relationships. And so that was complicated for people. People were worried on my end that she really wasn't going to ever divorce him or leave him. Uh, But all of that was sort of just people needed some time to recognize that it was real and we weren't being crazy or whatever, but it was her her family really that was the most challenging. Um, They were not okay with it. Um, They were not okay with me. And um, it was really challenging at first. I still remember to this day her mother telling me that she just wished I lived next door with my husband and my kids and that she liked me enough, but just didn't want me involved with her daughter. Mm. And, you know, those were some of the challenges. And we, to this day, actually, we had, we have gone for the past five years back and forth with letting them back in and then having to kind of put up some barriers and boundaries and then having them kind of cross those boundaries. And so having to put the walls up again. And as of about a year and a half ago, we, we haven't spoken with them. Um, and they've continued to be pretty negative and aggressive towards us. And it's been a really big challenge because it's something that's very close to home that's hurt both of us significantly in many different ways. So that's that's been a huge challenge. Um, and it started off purely because we were same-sex couple, but I think then they evolved it into being that if I just wasn't me and I didn't exist in this, everything would have stayed the same. But, you know, so I'm sort of the problem. Um, so yeah, we've definitely had some of those challenges. I think in the cases where there is this sort of overlap, that is a huge issue. Um, a lot of friends and family just need time to adjust. I think otherwise we didn't really deal with a lot of, um, other people having a problem with it. You know, we live in Massachusetts. It's pretty liberal. Everyone was okay with it. They were just like really shocked that we were kind of undoing these previous lives to be together. But, you know, over time they obviously recognized how serious we were, that we wouldn't have done that if we weren't serious. And, you know, five years later we're married and I think people are sort of over that part of it. Yeah, well, time definitely heals everything. Usually, I, I feel so bad about that with her parents because um, it it happens all too often, and it's surprising that they are not changing with the times. I see that it's it's very slowly happening, but the world is changing, you know. And I've been very open about the fact that my daughter is gay, and I've known it since she was very young. I've known it before she knew it. And, you know, we are a very open family here and I would never do that to her because to me, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who people love. It just matters if they're happy. And I would want my daughter to be happy. And hopefully her parents will come around in time because, um, I know that's gotta be very, very painful for her, but 
And, and, and I'm sure it's painful for you too, because they're pointing the finger at you as if you're the one and it has nothing to do with you. If it wasn't you, um, eventually she'd realize that she wasn't happy, you know, in her marriage anyway. So, um, yeah. well, let's talk about yeah. the kids a little bit. Uh, in your case, I know the kids are young, which I imagine was helpful. I think as the world is changing, the young ones adapt so much easier than older kids and adults. But how did the kids adjust to their mom falling in love with a woman? Do they even view it as different or do they look at it like any other relationship, I'm sure you've had conversations with them. So I'd love for you to tell us how you both handled that transition with them. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So for the most part, it was, you know, we were really fortunate. It was very easy because um, the boys were one. And, you know, I think shortly after we got together, um, our daughter turned four. So we were dealing with, you know, very young kids at the beginning. At the time, Jess was a stay-at-home mom and I worked full-time out of the house. So all of a sudden we sort of both were with these kids all day, every day. And what happened as a result of that is that we were able to form really strong bonds with them. I mean, obviously she already had that, um, but I did as well. And, you know, I, it was a progression. I started off as, you know, mom's friend and then mom's special friend and then mom's really special friend. And then, you know, we kind of had this conversation with, you know, mostly just our daughter at the time, just about that, you know, mom loved me and what that meant. And it was very, you know, easy in the sense that you didn't have to get too much into what it meant and what, you know, the, the word divorce never existed in our family for a very long time because they didn't need to know, they, they were too young to even know what that meant. Um, and when it came to the same sex part, for them, they really just don't know anything different. And it was never um, an issue. When we moved to the town that we're in now, I still remember, I think one of the first times, there's a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And um, when they found out at the time, you know, it was like, oh, you have two moms now. She would say she has three because uh, her father's remarried as well. But at the time, it was like, oh, my God, you have two moms. And all the kids were like, that's so cool. You know, they're still at the age where they like yeah. their mom enough that that seems really fun. Um, we'll see how long they hold on to that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's been in that sense that there was no sort of uh, issues there. Um, and I would say, like, we are, again, we are constantly sort of trying to be really just examples in the world completely, not just the two of us, but give our kids these examples. Like, you know, one of our closest friends is an interracial couple. We have close friends that are also a gay male couple. So we are continually sort of exposing um, the kids to all the different varieties of relationships. And, you know, we used to tell her when we were younger that, you know, the couple that is interracial that we're very, very close with, they call them aunt and uncle. We were like, you know, there was a time when they couldn't be together. And our daughter's always like shocked by that. Now she's learned it about that in school more. And we say, I was talking to her about pride recently, you know, with it being June. And I was saying, well, you know how there was a time when mom and I couldn't be together either. And she's like, I know that's just crazy. So they are still at the age. And I think part of it's where we live, where um, it's not an issue among anyone. No one sort of makes fun of them or says it's bad. Um, and it hasn't really been a negative reaction. And I would say the only concern we've had is sort of because Jess's parents have had somewhat of a negative reaction around that is hoping that that doesn't end up somehow infiltrating to them. But so far, they've really, we've been really fortunate that it's been seen as a, a really positive thing. And everyone has been super supportive in the community in that way, so that they don't feel any different. And our daughter kind of thinks it's awesome. Like she always, um, at school, when they, ha they have to introduce themselves and like tell two truths and a lie, if it's like the beginning of the school year. And one of her things she always says is that she has three moms. And she, everyone always assumes that that's the lie. And she like loves saying that it's not, you know, and she thinks that that's so fun. So it's kind kind of cool that way. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, do the kids, how often do the kids see the grandparents? 
Um, so that has changed. It's a constantly changing dynamic. Um, they're out of state. They still live in Michigan. So uh, with us, not at all. Um, but there have been times that they have seen them and talked to them more recently. And, you know, again, we don't really know how, how that is. It's a, a newer development. So we just kind of try to, again, on our, we're just being the example of love and support over here. And that's sort of all we can do. And just, you know, again, hope that because of the exposure they have with us and our friends and the family we have on our side that are incredibly supportive of our love and our relationship, that they make their own opinions as they continue to get older and figure that out for themselves. That's right. And you guys are in the driver's seat, meaning that if they decide that they want to speak poorly of you to the kids, that's when you guys can pull back on the reins a little bit um, and have that kind of control over them. Because even though she's trying to do the right thing and have the grandparents see her kids, which is wonderful and amazing, but if they're going to not do the right thing, then she gets to choose whether you know she wants that relationship to continue or not. And then she needs to let her parents know that too, because it really is up to you guys. Um, speaking from both your personal experience and also also your professional knowledge, what is the best way to tell children, your ex, or even other friends and family that you are in a same-sex relationship when they've only known you as heterosexual? How does one know what to say, how to say it, or even when to approach the topic? Yeah, this is a really important one. And of course, there's a lot of factors here that matter. So the age of the kids matter, um, sort of the progression at which, like if you've been separated from their father for a long time versus if this is, if you're leaving their father for a woman, there's obviously different approaches to this. And so in some respects, of course, it's very individual. Um, but I think one of the biggest through lines that's true, no matter the age or the situation is to continually, you know, talk to your kids like they're people because they are um, and remind them that, you know, you've always wanted them to be happy and you believe that it's really important that everybody, um, you know, is, is honest and truthful with themselves and does what's right for them in their heart. And, and then sort of to say, you know, I am at a place in my life where I feel that what is really important to me or what I is my truth is that I am in love with a woman or I want to date women, however you're, whatever stage you're in. Um, and that, you know, this is what will make me the happiest. And I've always wanted you to be happy and I hope you can support me in me being happy as well. And again, the language is obviously determined based on the age of the kids. Um, and, you know, I've seen so much. There's sort of this, the youngest kids, you don't really have to say much to, right? Not about that. It's more about just the structures changing. Um, the middle, like late elementary to even high school, they're pretty supportive and understanding if you've continually raised them to be open-minded and non-judgmental, which I'd imagine imagine you are if you're in this position. Um, and then there's a little bit of this point where late high school into, I think, college in those early 20s, where they're very much figuring out their own independence and the way that they want to be an adult in the world can be really challenging because a lot of times they feel really strongly about what's right and wrong. And they feel really strongly about the fact that it's your decision potentially that's changing the, the structure they've grown up with. Even if you've been divorced from their father, um, it can be challenging because because they're still, they're aware that you're an adult because they're adults, but they're also still just thinking of you as mom. And it shouldn't be more important for mom to be happy than it is for mom to take care of her kids. And they have that kind of awareness. I mean, and that's what a lot of these children think. I don't agree with that. It takes time for them to learn that. Um, but they have a hard time seeing their parents as adults who have wants and needs of their own and want to have a fulfilling, loving relationship. I don't think that they're necessarily against the same sex piece, but if it's a huge change from what they're used to, it's really about giving them the time to process it. Um, I always say, 
kind of explain it for yourself as if you are already answering all the questions you think they'll have, and then give them time to think about it and come back to you. You've spent a lot of time processing this. You've spent a lot of time deciding it, how you're going to go forward with it, how you want to tell people. The first time you tell someone, it may be the first time they've ever considered this for you. And so you need to give them that space and time to process it on their own because it could be like a big blow to their concept of who you are. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot. Um, One of the things I truly admire about you, Janelle, is that you are so open and honest about your story. It's people like you who are the true game changers in the world. And I know that we have some other same-sex couples here in my community who maybe aren't able to be as open. Can you share why you think it's important to be honest with the world? And also, can you give advice to those who struggle with that? I know it's not easy for everyone. So tell us your secret. You know, I think it's such a, a interesting and important concept of this sort of being authentic and open and out there. And I really appreciate you saying those incredibly kind words about the way I put myself out there. Um, you know, I've always been someone who's comfortable sharing and talking about my experience, part for two reasons. One, I think the human condition is really all about finding connection, finding people who can relate to you or support you. That's what kind of makes us feel better and more comfortable with our challenges. And then I also, for myself, it's been it's a it's the teaching tool for me. It's, it's if my experience can help someone else either feel better or learn something or not have to be as negatively impacted by something, then I'm so much happier to share that. And I think that I always say everybody's voice is so important for that reason alone. That there is something in your experience that will help someone else. And not to say that's the only reason you should do it, but it is a huge part for me to recognize. When I started this work, I didn't even know that I was going to start specifically working in the area of dealing with same-sex couples and blended families, even though that's, of course, exactly what I'm in. Um, and I wrote a, I wrote sort of our story, and I ended up getting connected with lots of female couples that were going through this that I was like, wow, I didn't know there were so many of us out there that were sort of in the same position. And now I have a community of women that are going through this, and they're at all different stages. So sharing your voice, especially in a group like that, when you're all at different places, it just really allows you to find someone that you can relate to. And that's so important because this can be such an isolation experience. When I was going through it, when we were going through it, we just had each other. There was no one we knew that was going through it. There was no one talking about it. And so we just had each other to rely on, which is like, you know, still very limiting. And so you only get the perspective of the two of you. And so I just, I know it can be scary and there'll be people who will be telling you always that like, you don't need to talk about it so much, or why do you have to share so much? Or can't you keep stuff private? And I really believe that our stories are our, our teaching tools. And so I'm just, really, really a big proponent of people being, using their voice for that good. You know, it's, it is, we don't always need to be necessarily giving a lesson, but it's more to say that everything we've experienced is going to help someone else if we are comfortable sharing it. And it's also just like psychologically cathartic. Like it's a very uh, therapeutic process to kind of just share your story and get it out there because it's a heavy burden to carry if it's been a challenge, if it's been a struggle for you to be the only one that's carrying that weight. And once you start talking about it and getting it out there, you're, you're lessening that load. And so it can be really helpful for you psychologically as well. That's right. Uh, And there's always going to be people who do not accept your relationship. And that might be your ex, it might be the kids, it might be family. In your case, Janelle, it's the grandparents. Um, And I know you've dealt with some of this recently. And can you just tell us how, I mean, I know what's going on, but how are you coping with that? How do you cope with the negative reactions from others who just don't understand your situation? 
Yeah, I mean, it's always a challenge. I think for myself personally, the, the number one thing is that when you're in the middle of the really hard times, um, you need to have, I really think, a someone you can have a one-on-one like you know session with, or with the coach, counselor, however you want to put it. Um, but I've gone through ebbs and flows. I've had the same counselor like forever, so she knows my whole situation. Uh, and there's times where I've seen her every week, and then I maybe see her once a month or even once every two months when things are pretty even keeled. But when things kind of flare up, what I find so valuable with that and what I do for my clients is I already know everything about the backstory. You don't have to explain. You can just get right to what's going on. And I think for me personally, if I had not had that for these last five years especially, I would have been drowning in figuring out what was going on. Um, You know, a few other things. I journal regularly, even for 10 minutes a day when I don't think I have anything to say. I set my alarm for 10 minutes in the morning and I just journal and kind of get out stream of consciousness. And sometimes I'm amazed at what falls out of my you know, my hand, if you will. Um, and I think that can, again, be a very good release and way for you to realize what is taking up more of your mental space on this. Cause sometimes it's so much stuff at once. You don't know what it is that's sort of affecting you the most. I think that can be a really helpful tool. And I do think for me, a big part has been sharing in the community. I mean, anyone who's a part of my community knows for sure that I share even an extra level there than I do on the podcast, on my live show, on you know social media, because they also know me a little bit more. And so I give a little bit more there to help bring people to a place of feeling comfortable for themselves, but also for me, because those are the people that can understand what I'm going through as well. So the community part is really, really big for me because in my actual life, sure, I have the close friends and family that know, but they still can't relate to the same level. They can support, but they don't know what it's like either. So being able to share my personal challenges with people that have actually lived through similar challenges is incredibly helpful. It's huge. That's why I like my Facebook group too, because people tell me all the time they just don't have anybody to talk to that actually understands what it really feels like to be in a blended family. And I'm sure you feel the same way with your community. Um, You and I were talking last week and you brought up something so interesting that I wanted to talk about here. Your wife's ex is now married and you said that basically now there are three female role models in the children's lives. Can you talk about that a little bit? What maybe are some challenges with that or even tell us just what works differently there with three moms? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I have, you know, joined partially for my own kind of knowledge and research and then partially for my work. But, you know, I'm a part of a lot of different blended families, step parents, you know, parent, um, step parents without biological children, groups and forums. And what's interesting is a lot of times there are issues with a stepmother complaining about a biological mother or a biological mother complaining about a stepmother. Um, and these, and what is interesting for us is that we have, in a sense, two stepmothers that are both. Uh, bonus parents. So myself and their father's wife, we don't have any biological children. So like I said, there's only this one set of children that are going between homes. Um, And in the beginning, like I said, we had primary, well, we still technically have primary custody, but we agreed about a year ago um, that, or Jess agreed that to verbally give the 50-50 custody so that, you know, it's still in the courts doesn't say that, but obviously for us, we always felt that was the best thing for the kids. So, um, but before that, for the first four 
plus years, um, we were home with the kids, primarily with them. You know, we both worked after a while and like after two or three years, she went back into the workforce as well. Um, but we were, you know, the two moms and there was, you know, their dad was around as much as he could be. He didn't have a house in the same town in that sense. He wasn't as involved yet. And when he met his now wife, things slowly started to change. They still weren't very involved in the beginning. Um, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, they bought a house in the same town as us so that they could start to be more involved and see the kids on a daily basis and be involved with their school activities, which was great for them. Um, but like you said, there are there is this dynamic of three mother figures, and there's one father. And it definitely changes the way in which I think those struggles between households are. Um, you know, there's there's sort of the normative family on their end of the spectrum, right? They all have the same last name because they have his last name. There's a mother and a father figure that's more traditional. Um, and, you know, we, are, we have the same last name now as uh, married wives, but we don't share that last name with our children. Um, but we are also at this point in this town, they know us as being their parents. Um, but, you know, it's always sort of funny when someone like I'll volunteer here at the kids' school a lot, and they'll be like, oh, that's my mom. And then, you know, I always end up saying, oh, I'm one of three, and they the kids are always, like, amazed by this and want to know more about it. Um, but it, it is just, there are challenges, I think, because, I mean, Two, two moms in a blended family, like, you know, the mom and the stepmom is a challenge already, as you well know, because I feel like 90% of your community, that's probably what the conversations end up being about. Um, and then when you add another dynamic, there's, you know, these two, like myself and her both technically in sort of a similar role. And, you know, I was here first and involved first and knew the kids first and had a relationship with them first and a relationship with her husband first. We were close. And so it's been a, a definite change and process to figure out kind of how we shift and move over time with the way in which those relationships change and the kids age and dynamics shift. And it's a constant. And I think that's why, and I encourage this for anyone in a blended family to find a resource, a community, a, um, a you know, coach, counselor, someone, because even though I grew up in a blended family, it didn't look like this one. So we, none of us know how to do this because we've never done it before. So it's so important, I think, to recognize that most of us grow up assuming we're going to, you know, get married, have one husband or wife and have like 2.5 kids and whatever. And when that's not the way it goes, we really don't know how to do it. And we're trying to kind of just fuddle our way through. And so that's why I really encourage that both sides do that in occasion, you know, both sides sit down and do, you know, mediation if you need to almost together because you're the four parents that are forever going to be in these kids' lives. And there can be, there's, you know, competition. I'm not the only person who's talked about this, that one of the biggest changes is when that third female enters the picture, um, because it just is yet another personality dynamic, another mother figure. It's already sort of a challenge. Um, and so I think that it's really important to kind of continually ask for external help and perspective, because you can get really lost in the small details of, well, I want to do it this way because you did it that way, or I don't like that you say this, I'm going to say that, you know, just, it's very easy, I think, for some people to get lost in those small details. And we've worked very hard on our side to, you know, kind of rise above that, stay above the noise, really focus on our relationship with the kids and not worry so much about judgments on the outside or anything like that. Because like you said, Melissa, so many people are going to judge this without really knowing what's going on inside your home and your household. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, there are many listeners who are in same-sex relationships right now in my community, and many of them are struggling. So what advice would you give to those people? Maybe something that you learned along the way or something that you know you did right or wrong that you can share so that maybe they can avoid the same pitfalls. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say the biggest thing I can say to do that is the most important that I know we've done well and continue to do is focus on, you know, the fact that whatever brought you two together and your love and your relationship is between the two of you. And that's what matters most. And the way that that love kind of then showers onto the children and that nobody else knows what's in your relationship. And I say this to any couple, this is not just a same sex thing, but you know, you're the only two that really know what goes on between the two of you and that love. And you do not need to prove yourself or your love to anyone. It is not your job or your responsibility to make someone trust and believe that what you have is real and honest and genuine. That's not your job. Your job is to live in it and do it and do it the way you want to. And, you know, put yourself first and then the children as well. And, you know, really focus on that. Um, Coupled with that, and I say what we did struggle with at times for sure, and it, I'm sure we will again, but we work really hard, is to not let the chaos on the outside, all the external influences really weigh you down and negatively impact your partnership. So, I mean, we probably, 97% of arguments we probably ever had in five years were not about the two of us. It was about someone, you know, her parents, her ex, their his wife, the kid, you know, something else, something outside side that was affecting us, but then we would have different views necessarily on what it meant or how to handle it. And rather than kind of slowing down and letting ourselves rise above it and come back together to figure out the best way to handle it, I think we were so upset, frustrated, stressed by what was happening externally that it did affect us negatively. And if you spend so much time getting lost in those details from the outside, it does affect your internal happiness. And so we've really gotten past so much of that. It was definitely a challenge because a lot of the sort of negativity we experienced came from the people that were we thought would be closest to us. So that was really difficult. But I've learned so much over the years of kind of this last year, especially about, you know, letting go of that negativity and really focusing on what you know is true for yourself and your partner and your family. And the rest of it, you just, you can't, do anything about. You just have to believe that everyone truly is trying to do their best and that the good is there somewhere and you just keep hoping that it shows up and you focus on what you do have control of. That's right, because we cannot control anybody else. Um, I love that, Janelle. Before we wrap up, I do want to talk a little bit about your work. Some listeners may not have heard your previous episode here. So for those who haven't, if you want to go back and listen to that last show Dr. Janelle was on, it was episode 112. But you have a podcast and a thriving community on Facebook. Can you talk about those again? Sure. Yeah. Um, so everything that I do outside of just personal one-on-one um, is under sort of the name Big Change of Heart. Yeah, that's what I sort of call this whole, when you realize, uh, you know, you're, you've been with men before and now you want to be with women or you fell in love with a woman, you go through a big change of heart and there's a lot of changes and challenges that happen. Um, so the podcast is called Big Change of Heart. I will say just for the listeners to hear that I, the month of June was on hiatus because I also, in the month of June, launched my Big Change of Heart live show, which is a Facebook show that, Melissa, you were on obviously last week, um, and it runs on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and it tackles the three issues that you mentioned I focus on. So same-sex relationships, divorced and remarrying couples, and um, blended families specifically. So that's that was sort of the focus for June, but I've been you know pulling out, of course, wonderful episodes from the archives for the podcast, and then um, there's also the community, so Big Change of Heart community on Facebook. It is a secret community, and the reason for that was, as you said, for a lot of these struggling um, 
stages of this process, not everyone can openly share and put out there what's going on. So I created the group to be secret at this point so that women at any stage, even if their families don't know yet, can have a place to find support and learn how to get to the next step. And so if you want to join the community or you're interested in it, you can obviously contact me, but bigchangeofheart.com forward slash community, you can just ask for access there. Um, and so that's those are the three places where I really, really focus on giving a lot of support and uh, you know, advice and just guidance for how to go through these stages because they really are this, you know, you go from, oh my gosh, I have to figure out how to deal with this internally. And then all of a sudden to like, how am I going to get there where I'm living this life with my new partner, married, you know, kids, whatever you want for yourselves, but it is a process to get through and there are stages. And so having that external support is huge. Perfect. And I want to mention that although you do focus quite a bit on same-sex relationships, you offer so much more than that. So for the listeners who may be in hetero relationships, please don't think that Dr. Janelle is only about same-sex relationships. She covers all sorts of issues. She's very knowledgeable and has a lot to offer on both her show and Facebook live videos and her community. So definitely check her out. Janelle, what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Um, probably the best way is either email, which is Janelle at drjanelle.com or um, on my Facebook page. My business page is just Dr. Janelle as well. So whether it's a private message or uh, anything like that, that's the easiest way. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And I appreciate so much for you saying that, that anyone, I don't specifically only work with same-sex couples. Um, and I actually had someone reach out to me recently that was like, are you still willing to work with heterosexual couples? And I was like, of course. So yeah, I mean, and I think if you tune into the show, the episodes that are, you know, the Wednesday Thursdays, which are about divorced and remarriage as well as blended family, actually a lot of times don't even deal with the same sex aspect. So it really is about just those three kind of stages of um, a non-traditional family. So absolutely. Great. And I'm going to add your links to the show notes. Before we go, do you have any last words of advice? I know you just gave us a whole bunch of advice, but um, (laughs) anything maybe that I left out, uh, advice, encouragement, anything? You know, I just will end with saying that I know it's challenging and it's hard and it's messy, but when the love is really the forefront of all of it, it's always worth it. So it's risky, absolutely, but it's worth it if you keep kind of putting your heart first and don't listen to sort of the outside there, just focus on that inside. Great advice. Dr. Janelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about something so personal. I appreciate you and the work you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. To my listeners, if you want to connect with Dr. Janelle, visit her website. Once again, that is drjanelle.com, spelled as D-R-J-E-N-N-E-L-L-E. Also, if you haven't listened to her podcast, it is called The Big Change of Heart Podcast. I will add all of her links in the show notes for you as well. And if you are in or thinking of entering into a same-sex relationship or marriage, she is your go-to person. Not only does she have an educational background, she has the personal experience to match, and that is huge. Don't forget also, you can connect with her in our private Facebook group over at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group, where you can find her as Janelle Cariotis. Feedback, as always, can be sent to me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening and come back next week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.